0: Welcome to Ingredipedia, a factual food fight podcast where every episode we pick an ingredient and present three facts on it each. And it's a battle to see whose facts are the most interesting. My name's Emily Naismith and I'm joined by my co-host Ben Birchall and this year we're getting professional, I feel like.
1: Oh, are we?
0: Yep, this is our first show for 2018. Why, why
1: didn't you warn me?
0: I'm I'm introducing the show for once, I never do that. Yeah. It usually takes me five minutes to be able to work up the courage to do that. She so did that I'm in one take. already ticking boxes. One take. Bam, and also my other goal for this year is to stick to scheduled releases. Yeah, so we don't have to commit right now, but okay. I'm thinking monthly.
1: Yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. That could that. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yep.
0: You heard it here first. Yep. <laughs> if you don't if you don't hear an episode in one month, then come knocking on Ben's door. Yeah, or just email
1: <laughs> us at incredipedia@gmail.com.
0: At um. So it's been a while since our last episode. And I actually haven't seen you in ages. So in in a sentence, what mm-hmm. and, and like I don't want to do chit chat because I don't really like small talk and it gives me anxiety. But like in a sentence, what's your food journey of 2018 been?
1: Um, the food journey of 2018 has been it, – it's been a journey of two parts. I'm doing that thing at the moment that um, you hate when I do, when I go on a health kick. Oh, yeah. 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 You know when well, I do I that. Well, I don't
0: really care unless I'm working with you. Yeah,
1: and then – it's all I talk about yeah. and uh, I don't bring any good snacks into. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's been, you know, just the uh, excess of January and then the austerity of February, but also um, my fig tree is going absolutely berserk.
0: That's what I was going to say as Is well. that your journey my, as my well? My journey has been like counting down the days until my fig tree is ripe and I had one on the weekend and it was absolutely delicious. Just one? Yeah. Um one is well I've picked 3. Okay. But one was at perfect ripeness.
1: Cuz I'm thankful like I don't know if I've spoken about this on the on before. I'm sorry if I have, but I inherited a massive fig tree from the previous owners of our house. And yeah, we're like I took a bucket load to work today and my wife took a bucket load last week and yeah, it's
0: a good way to make friends. I
1: had um uh Fig and prosciutto pizza for dinner time. Yum. So that that has been my food journey.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, mine's been qu- – um, yeah, mine, I'm on the fig train, but I've also been kind of dabbling in retirement living and I'm just basically garden on the weekends now and I also have um, mini Roma cherry tomatoes. Ah, you're growing really tomatoes. Delicious.
1: Yeah. I've never grown tomatoes. I just – yeah, I'm kind of – Daunted by the process, for some it hasn't reason.
0: Hasn't really been much of a process. No. Um, it's pretty easy. I'm also growing strawberries, yeah, figs, lettuce, and then some herbs.
1: You, you're basically a farmer.
0: Yeah, I don't need to leave the house. Uh, yeah, I'm basically real life Farmville, <laughs> which is my goal.
1: That, that's your dream. Yeah. You are actually living your dream. <laughs> yeah. Well, no <laughs> wonder we can do one of these a month then.
0: But today's episode, we're getting into melon. We are. Yeah. So it's a summery summery fruit, um, kind of the last week of summer. Yeah. So what a perfect time to talk <laughs> to about do it. a summer
1: <laughs> summer fruit. And uh, you know, by the time we put this up, it's probably going to be June. So <laughs> happy winter, everyone. Let's talk about a summer <laughs> fruit. Uh, okay. And I'm going to start by just turning my screen around, and maybe you can describe.
0: Whoa. What's
1: happening on the screen?
0: Okay, and a watermelon's exploding, and men are reacting, mm-hmm. and it's slow motion, and pieces of watermelon chunks are going everywhere.
1: This is what? Yes, that that is correct. That is correct. It's a video by the Slow Mo Guys uh, that is called Rubber Bands Versus Watermelons, and that is kind of a a genre of YouTube video. It seems like exploding watermelons has taken the internet by storm. Um, And more more specifically, making watermelons explode with rubber bands. So Mm. you take a watermelon and you put rubber band after rubber band after rubber band on it. And eventually the pressure, just because it does so gradually builds up on the watermelon, it blows up. There are... 69,890 search results for watermelon versus rubber band on YouTube. Holy that Lord. one I just showed you, which was the slow motion guys, that's had 16 million views. Um, there's another one with 13 million views. There's one with 3 million. There's one with 1.2 million. So out, it's not just like there's a, f- a whole bunch of people just putting mm. up a video on their friends going, oh, cool. You made a one. It's like, it's it's an absolute minefield of, um, so I'll just, I'll just do the search because some of the titles.
0: When I, um, have been researching content (laughs) for my job. Um, I think Buzzfeed's most viewed video is like the watermelon with rubber bands on it.
1: That would not surprise me. Um, yeah. So we've got exploding watermelon challenge, extreme, uh, watermelon versus rubber bands gone wrong. So it's like, it's, it's, it's got like offshoot genres, uh, rubber watermelon trick, Just like somebody called Crazy Russian Hacker, 6 million views, no big. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's one called uh, 100 Layers of Rubber Bands on Watermelons. Seems to be some 12-year-old kids. That's got 800,000 views. Uh Uh, People are trying it with other melons. The Exploding Jackfruit Challenge. The uh, Exploding Pineapple Challenge. Uh,
0: So have you tried it? Have you got a watermelon and like a million rubber bands? No,
1: I didn't try it, but... (laughs) What I can do is just talk about it. Um, <laughs> so the internet can't get enough of exploding watermelons, but you know who's not so keen on exploding watermelons? No. Chinese farmers. Okay. Not when this explosion is caused by something called for- chlor- for- chlor- for- neuron. Uh Let me just cut to the tape. For farmer Li Ming-su, watermelons were his livelihood. He lives in China's Yingsu province, and like many fellow farmers, he planted seeds imported from Japan. Earlier this month, he used a growth chemical on the crop, but the next day, he found his fruit
0: in ruins. I used the chemical on the 6th and found the exploded watermelons on the 7th. I found more than 80 exploded watermelons on the morning of the 7th and more than 100 in the afternoon. More and more watermelons exploded on the 8th and don't mention the 10th. I didn't count anymore because I couldn't bear it. And he's not
1: alone. 20 local farmers planted the imported seeds and 10 of them have experienced exploding watermelons. So that's the the story. Uh, Chinese farmers used a, a chemical called uh which... Sounds terrifying, but apparently it's approved for use on kiwi fruits, grapes and raisins in the United States. And whilst its use is completely safe, it's not considered appropriate to use on watermelons because it can lead mm. to misshapen fruit, can cause the seeds to turn white. Uh, and it's thought that the Chinese farmers use too much of the growth chemical. This is from another story on uh, Compound Interest, which is a compound chemistry publication gone deep on this one. Uh, they used too much of the growth chemical on their watermelons at the wrong time of the year during a particularly wet period. And they also used it on particularly thin rinded melon. So all these factors made the ultimate fate of their crop grimly predictable. So exploding watermelons hot with the kids, <laughs> not so hot with Chinese farmers.
0: Well, I'm going to talk about a different kind of melon. I do like watermelon, but I'm going to talk about rock melon slash cantaloupe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to call
1: it. You, just call it shit.
0: You don't like it. Oh. Okay. Don't even. Well, no. Nah. Don't even talk to me because my favorite combinations of food Is rock melon and prosciutto. It's like the best combination. Yeah, but
1: prosciutto makes anything good.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it, like, this is the best possible thing you can have with it. Okay. Even better than a fig. Um, I can't remember the first time I had it. So I feel like it's part of me. But I do remember the best version of prosciutto and melon I ever had that was on a beach in Italy on the Amalfi Coast where you sit on one of those day beds and you get given prosciutto and melon together. And it was just the best thing ever because I've always wanted to sit on one of those day beds looking out at the Amalfi Coast.
1: Um, just for those of you listening along, Emily has a faraway look <laughs> yeah, in her eyes. it seriously
0: makes me cry when I think about it. Um, so for my first fact, I wanted to look into who the genius was that first paired melon and prosciutto so I can thank them. Um, so according to La Cucina Italiana, it can be traced back to the 2nd century AD and we can thank a doctor for its invention, mm. a genius doctor called Galeno. I know that's not the Italian pronunciation, <laughs> but Ben assures me that that's how we say sure. it in Australia. sure. So um, Galeno, unlike most practicing doctors um, of today, was convinced that all foods were made up of four qualities. So mm-hmm. they corresponded to earth, fire, air, and water, and they corresponded to warm, cold, dry, and juicy. So in order to avoid getting sick, everyone should make sure that their diet was balanced between the four mm. elements so it's not too cold or it's not too warm, it's not that's, too juicy.
1: That's not a million miles from Chinese medicine Yeah, yeah, as yeah. Well. yeah.
0: Um, so in medieval times, melons, um, were thought to be evil because they were both cold and juicy. So you need to counter- counterbalance it with something dry and warm. Mm-hmm. And obviously ham is, or well, prosciutto is dry and they probably didn't have fridges back then and prosciutto's cured ham. So I'm assuming that it was warm. Um, so that's my own little piece of research that I yeah. brought to it. I didn't find that out on the internet, so go me. Um, and so it's like perfectly balanced. And I think that's why it's so good. Um, I'm looking at it and it's prepared on the table in front of me, but it's actually for my next fact, oh, okay. which also has something to do with prosciutto. And so matter, I'm going to so. get to eat this at <laughs> some point, right? Yeah, yeah. You are. Okay,
1: I can't believe you went to the history.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just dabbled. Like- I was actually quite interested. History history interests me when it's relevant. Um,
1: And not about the Civil War? Is that what you're getting at? Did you look up Civil War melon facts?
0: I think I didn't. I think I linked you to it. So it's probably coming up right now.
1: (laughs) Coming up next. (laughs) Well, Emily, you just brought cantaloupe into evidence. I hate cantaloupe. I get out look i will I will caveat that with I like anything wrapped in prosciutto, look m- maybe to be fair, I don't hate cantaloupe, I just think it is dead weight in a fruit salad well when, when I- you put like a store bought fruit salad, cantaloupe or rock melon and also honeydew melon are just they're making up the numbers, they're usually not quite ripe. Have
0: you had a good one though in like Italy? For example, I, I haven't had one in, in Italy because they taste different in Italy.
1: Yeah, everything tastes different in Italy. Mm, like the, saying, the tomatoes don't there, bring it on
0: the fruit generally. Okay, all
1: right. Well, I'm willing to forgive the fruit um, because I um, I I, uh, uh, I turned up this story which is in Buzzfeed, um, which is about uh, a, a a very specific type of cantaloupe, and I'm willing to suspend my hatred of cantaloupe. Based on the popularity and description of this, uh, of this version of the fruit, the the article is called "Caviar of Cantaloupe," um, and it's a strangely long and in-depth article. Seriously, it's like ten thousand words, written by somebody called Tory Marlin, um, and the article is about the Montreal melon. Uh, so, if we go back to Canada in the early nineteen hundreds, uh, cantaloupe was regarded very differently um, to the way it is now. This variety of cantaloupe was so popular, it, it was known as the caviar of cantaloupe, but lost popularity and has recently had to have been saved from extinction. This is all in this very, very strangely long article. So in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the Montreal melon was considered a delicacy, sweet and juicy with hints of nutmeg. It had green flesh or has green flesh like a honeydew, but its exterior is netted rather than smooth. And according to farmer Ken Taylor, who was the uh, farmer who kind of brought it back from the brink, Russian caviar, champagne from Reims, France, and the Montreal melon, uh, those were the three snob foods in the early 1900s. So by the early 1900s, um, by this time in the early 1900s, local farmers were sending regular shipments shipments by train to New England and New York, where upscale restaurants and hotels put them on dessert menus and sold them for up to a dollar a slice, which is what you just mm-hmm. paid for prosciutto. Um, <laughs> but in the 1900s, uh, early 1900s uh, economy, that was the equivalent of about $24.
0: Holy! So
1: you're paying $24 a slice for this melon yeah, wow. in New York. Um And the crop was so profitable to Montreal farmers that at least one farmer hired an armed guard to protect his fields at night. Uh, And by 1907, the melons could earn the farmers a couple of thousand dollars per acre each season. So around $49,000 in today's dollars. Um, The Montreal melon was more widely grown in New England, Canada, and the upper Midwest than honeydew or cantaloupe. So it was a big deal and obviously expensive. Um, but the melon's heyday wouldn't last. Like hundreds of fruit and vegetable varieties that thrived during the early 20th century, it didn't survive the mid-century shift to industrial agriculture. So it's been revived uh, and saved from extinction by this farmer named Ken Taylor. And I guess why the, the crux of the article, it isn't just about this melon, it's really more about the way agricultural farming is is uh, harming um, diversity and uh, so according to this is in the article the only hope for um, food security according to ken taylor is to disrupt the monoculture of modern farming through small-scale diversity diversity is important in farming because planting only one crop or one variety of crop leaves it vulnerable to disease the irish potato famine is a case in point and the cavendish banana which makes up 99 percent of the banana export market is being wiped out by a fungal disease for which there's no cure and the industry uh, has no other banana variety on deck. I don't know if you remember that this isn't the first time this has happened. In the banana episode, we talked about the Gros Michel banana, which was the banana until the 1950s when it was wiped out by a blight. Mm. And we talked about it because there's uh, a disputed story that banana flavoring tastes like Gros Michel bananas, and that's why it tastes fake to us. But these bananas were were a a lot more flavoursome than Cavendish bananas. So Cavendish bananas are like the poor cousin of the Gros Michel banana, and even now the Cavendish bananas are are susceptible to blight. So if they go, then truly, yes, we have no bananas. Um, So, Ken Taylor, save all the cantaloupes you want uh, if it helps protect our precious bananas.
0: Yeah, noted for my own um, growing food in my backyard. You it, You've got to be careful there. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want to,
1: you want to, you want some diversity.
0: Well, this isn't about the caviar. Is it the caviar cantaloupe? Can- the, the, caviar? Yeah, the caviar yeah. of
1: cantaloupes.
0: Um, this is about a different kind of melon. Um I'm going to let the listeners behind the curtain for a bit and explain how I do research for this episode. So it's very technical and quite a process. I don't want to bore you, but I will just quickly zip through it. So I was standing at the shops in the melon section, looking at all the different melons I could get. And I saw a new melon that I've never seen before. And I thought, I'm going to get it and tell people about it. So that's what I did. And that's what <laughs> I'm going to talk about right now. <laughs> um it's the kind of podcast research that not many other podcasts go to. Mm, so yeah. Mm. Good choice for listening to ingredients. You're
1: media. welcome, <laughs> listeners. You are welcome.
0: So this melon it has it looks like a big mango, basically. Okay. Um it's got bright yellow skin and it had a blue and pink fluoro sticker on it called the Hello Melon. Oh. And it was very visually appealing to me. Um, and it also the skin does look like mango skin, like it doesn't look like hard melon skin. Um, and the sticker also said Ryan's Melons of Victoria, so it's a local, local. melon. Local, good. Mm. Um, so it was very, very exciting cutting it open when I finally got home. It's kind of like Shopkins, like you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> yes. Um, so I cut it open and it was white inside.
1: Ah, were you disappointed?
0: No, I thought it was okay. like... I, I actually thought it was going to be yellow, so it was quite a shock. Um, and I ate it and it tasted, tasted like a honeydew melon, so you might be disappointed, but it was actually delicious. It's like super juicy and crisper than a honeydew melon. Like it kind of tastes a bit like a gnashy pear, mm-hmm. but yeah, and super sweet, really, really, really delicious. A lot of the melons, cantaloupe, and honey tree melon you buy in Melbourne supermarkets just don't taste good. Like they basically have no flavor. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's a waste. Yeah. But when you get a good, when you get a super ripe yeah. melon, they taste amazing. And this is like, I didn't even have to try it. It just was super ripe. So I'm assuming that they're, they all taste like that.
1: And is it called? The,
0: it's called the Hello Melon. The Hello Melon. Yeah. And then I went to another supermarket, which I know, so much research. Whoa. <laughs> and... They also had Hello Melons, but they had another sign that called them white honeydew melons.
1: Okay. Hello Melons are a much better yeah, name. Yeah, it's
0: a, mu- it's a white, oh. bit, much better name. Um, so I've prepared some Hello Melon with prosciutto because I'm fairly sure this is going to be, this is going to change your tune on melons so okay. we can finally eat it. Look,
1: Okay. Thank you.
0: And this is high quality prosciutto as well. Yeah. This is from Meat Smith and the woman who sold me it. She she wasn't a melon fan either.
1: Really? Yeah. Did you tell her what you were using it for? Yeah. Um, do you wrap the melon in prosciutto or yes, are you just you do. Of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: What do you think? God damn delicious.
1: <laughs> um, it's good. Yeah, it is good. Um, it's kind of neither. It's not rock melony or honey dewy. It's a little bit.
0: It's a bit peary. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I really like it. Um,
1: it's very peary.
0: Yeah. So if you're looking to recreate a little bit of Amalfi Coast in your own. Australian backyard or, um, yeah, it's probably only in Australia. I guess it's not anywhere else. So <laughs> yeah. to our handful of international listeners.
1: Sorry, guys.
0: Um, but, yeah, you plan can get a Hello trip, Melon.
1: Plan your next trip around melon season and yeah. uh, come out here and you can <laughs> – can we get Tourism Australia to pay for yeah, this podcast? Yeah, I,
0: I think that the farm's like near the Murray River. So, yeah, mm. road trip based to get the Hello Melon fresh from the farm be great.
1: I'm going back for more on this. Yes. Yeah.
0: That That's a win in my books, changing someone's whole opinion of melon through a fact.
1: The, yeah. I have to say, I, I love watermelon. Okay. So it's really just honeydew and, and cantaloupe yeah. or rock melon. Okay. But Hello Melon, A1. So... Emily, you discovered a whole new kind of melon in your research. Mm. And I guess one of the things that surprised me about, um, you know, the the reams and reams of research that I did on the internet is just how many different types of melons there are. And, and also we went quite specific with melon you know, because... There are other vegetables that fall mm-hmm. into the melon family, which is, we're not going to go don't in even there. Go it's there. basically, it's, it's got the to have. kidneys are fucking melon. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just we're not talking about chinese. No, it's like we're talking about things that are called melons, yes. right? But there's like, you know, there's an article here, that's like 25 kinds of melon. I didn't know there were 25, <laughs> and that's just one article. So, yeah, I read that article. So there's like, yeah, the golden prize melon, the jade dew mm-hmm. melon, the autumn sweet melon. Uh, the Apollo melon, Golden Langkawi melon, uh, Santa Claus melon, which is mind blowing, doesn't look like Santa Claus, but uh, yeah, good marketing. Yeah, uh, the horned melon—they look kind of weird. Yeah, the fresh hairy melon.
0: Yes, I saw that. The, I saw that at Strawberry Point in Forestdale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so right in their pocket, by the way.
1: <laughs> so there's a lot of different kinds of melon, and then I came across. Across a very interesting kind of melon. Have you ever heard of the rare breast melon, which is no. sometimes known as the milk melon?
0: No, well, this is creepy. So keep going.
1: Uh, so maybe if you want to describe what they look like, yeah.
0: I think this is abuse. <laughs> it's, p- <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> wow, yeah. It looks more like a pumpkin, but it definitely looks like a boob-shaped pumpkin.
1: Yeah, so it's it's shaped like a breast and the, I'm I'm now looking at the listing on Amazon of uh seeds that you can buy from Vietnam for what they're calling the rare breast melon. So apparently according to this listing, they're native to Vietnam. Their seeds are available for sale on on Amazon. Um that all seems legit. Or are they? Because then you go to the reviews. The first customer review comes up. Uh, it says mm, none have grown yet. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's not great. Second one. By curiosity, I purchased a package of seeds and planted them early this year. I waited until now. They do set melons. However, they're just plain melons, somewhat like someone like somewhat like green pumpkins. And then you get to the website. Hoax Slayer, which I guess is oh. a bit of a low rent Snopes, and boob melons, breast melons, milk melons, whatever you want to call them, are a hoax. They're, in fact, they're the work of a Vietnamese artist named Nguyen Thi Hoa Mo. They're made from silicon and other materials, and they're, they're hung on a wall at the Geith Cafe in or Goethe Cafe in Hanoi. And so somebody's taken a photo of some artwork at a, I guess, some sort of stoner cafe in Hanoi, put the seeds on the internet uh, and sold them and I, I just put feel like, on them. well, yeah, I guess. But I just find it amazing that it, not even the melon world is immune from fake news.
0: Yeah. Crazy.
1: And there's enough crazy melons. Why do you have to fake melons?
0: But what a genius idea! Like that's a good way to make a quick, it's quick true. one dollar fifty per seed packet.
1: Um. Also, what's um good news though? If you were wanting um a breast themed fruit um on Amazon, you can also buy the titty fruit nipple plant.
0: And is that legit?
1: That seems to be legit. It doesn't really look much like a boob, so you know it, it feels a bit more real. Okay. Um, well,
0: maybe maybe buy one, give it to me for Christmas, and. Maybe this time next year we'll be doing an episode on the... On the... um, Titty titty fruit. Titty (laughs) fruit. Yeah. I think think that might break the internet. Should I
1: stop showing you pictures of (laughs) fruit shaped? Yes, thanks. Okay, great. Moving on.
0: To get back to a safe space for melons. (laughs) Thank you. I really want to talk about watermelons. Yeah. So you said you like them. I do. Tell me how you eat them.
1: Uh, You know, slice them up. Yep. Um, Sometimes I'll... Uh, a real treat will be uh, make a bit of a salad out of uh, watermelon and feta yeah, with a bit of mint. Yeah, that's a good time. Um, yeah. That, okay. Um,
0: but what if you were just eating a slice of watermelon? Would you keep the green bit on and hold the green bit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Hold it by the rind.
0: And then you eat the pink bit of the watermelon yeah. and throw out the rind? Yeah. Okay. That's the same way I eat them. Yeah. But um,
1: I'm not weird, am I? <laughs>
0: No, 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 no. Well, I, I am, but
1: not, not about <laughs> I, watermelons. Yeah, true.
0: Um so my partner Pat, he eats the whole thing.
1: He eats the
0: He eats the green bit. The and green the first bit. time I ate a watermelon with him, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Is that safe? Um
1: Is it safe?
0: Yeah. So that's what I looked into. I didn't <laughs> look into it at the time, but I, I wanted to look into it now. So um because it kind of rang alarm bells in my head because remember for the avocado episode we ate the avocado seed and it the was like poisonous. The
1: seed's full of arsenic.
0: Yeah. Um, so I was hoping that this isn't the same thing and it's not. Um, I came across a site called watermelon.org and I knew it was legit because it had .org <laughs> and it said, you know the citrate line that watermelon is famous for? And I said, no. So I looked up the and it's an amino acid that's good for your heart and blood vessel health. Okay. And then it said, well, the rind is loaded with it even more so than the flesh. Ah. So Pat's right. We should be eating it. So there are three ways that you can use the watermelon rind that isn't just eating it. Cause I've, that's a bit hard. Like it, did, it wouldn't be as super enjoyable to eat raw.
1: Did you... Ever ask Pat why he does that? Is it just what his family always did, or did he just
0: kind um, of? Um, I is he, he weird
1: in his family, or? Uh, is
0: it I don't think it would be a family thing. I think he doesn't like wasting food is probably, ah, probably the main thing. Okay. and also, if you can eat it, why wouldn't why you? Why wouldn't you?
1: <laughs> That's a good yeah yeah. I'll subscribe yeah, to that I subscribe doctorate. to that too. But yeah.
0: um, so the three ways that you can eat watermelon rind that isn't raw. You can pickle it. Mm. Apparently it's quite similar to cucumber, so yeah. it's good pickled. I've
1: had, I've had pickled rind before. Yeah, Good? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really good.
0: Other one, in a juice, like a smoothie.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Third one, in a stir fry, <laughs> uh-huh. which I did. Really? Yeah. I made a stir fry on Sunday night that had mushroom, watermelon rind and tofu, and it was actually really good. I chopped it up into like centimetre square cubes. So
1: cubed, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um cooked it for like ten minutes in a fry pan. Um and it went really soft, or not super soft, but it went softer and juicier. And then when I, you know, served the stir fry, it was like still a bit crunchy and tasted a lot like zucchini.
1: Yeah. I was like gonna a- say did, yeah. Did it sort of go zucchini? The, yeah. What Were you describing it kind of going juicier and yeah. a bit softer?
0: Yeah. But more like the taste of zucchini. Like you mm. can tell that it's watery, but it's really nice.
1: Was it sweet at all? Or
0: I thought it was a bit sweet. Pat couldn't really taste the sweetness, but I left like a tiny bit of the pink flesh on. So that might've been the sweet bit. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was pretty good.
1: All right. I'm going to stop throwing it away. Yeah. And start making making some, uh, some stir fries
0: cool so that's the end of our fact battle should we recap what we spoke about
1: yes I started with exploding watermelons
0: and then I spoke about dream combo prosciutto and um, rock melon
1: and then I talked about the Montreal melon the caviar of cantaloupes
0: And I said hello to the Hello Melon.
1: And then I talked about the hoax boob
0: melons. (laughs) And then I talked about how you can use the green rind of watermelon in stir-fries. Delicious. Mm.
1: So what do people do with this information, Emily?
0: Well, they go onto Instagram, which is Ingridipedia, and they'll see a, a melon picture for Ben and a melon picture for me. And then they just double-click the one that's for me because that means voting for me.
1: Right. <laughs> cool. Cool. I mean, yours are got first anyway. So um, <laughs> good. Well, Emily, it's good to be back. It's good to know that we're more professional this mm. year. Yeah. Uh, we thank you for uh, tuning in for the first Ingredipedia for 2018, and uh, we'll we'll be back more regularly this year.
0: Yeah. And if you wanted us to talk about a specific ingredient, you should get in touch on Instagram or on our Facebook page or the email address that's on our website, which is au. That's
1: the one. See you all later.